In the 1970s, a future top-notch podcasting team was born, and then raised on military bases because their dads were in the Air Force. These Gen Xers eventually grew up and were unleashed upon the world. Today, looking forward to retirement, they survive by dishing out their opinions. If you have questions that need answers and an open mind, if you can spare 60 minutes a week, and if you have internet access, maybe you can listen to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. It takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. But it's not just us two. It's all of you as well, listening friends. Welcome back to another week and another episode of Kenyatta and Jack, Save the World. It's a heavy order, but we are still invested to do it. As you all probably know already, I'm Kenyatta. The gentleman there is Jack, 1,300 miles away. Hey, Jack. Hey. I hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving. I did. I did. It's always good, regardless of you know, the holiday, quote unquote, it's always good to spend quality time with quality people. So right. that's what got done. So how was yours? It was, it was fine as well. I took my special Thanksgiving plate over to my mother-in-law's. I have a, uh, uh, well, it's really for parties and it's all segmented and large and it was for different types of chips and everything, but it's my Thanksgiving plate. And that way I can have all of my foodstuffs, but it's all nicely separated and not touching. I'm going to get one of those for my daughter because that sounds exactly like something she would, she would like. So I used to tell her it doesn't matter if it's touching. It all goes to the same place. She would look at me like I had just stepped in her plate. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can sympathize with that. Mm-hmm. She'll only get strange looks the first couple of years she brings it, and then after that, people will be more accepting. I'll just get one of them old school cafeteria trays and call it a day. There um, you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, we're going to schmooze right into our WTFs because we know you've probably missed them. Or yes, you? you may, you may not have, but we're schmoozing into them anyway. Jack, what do you have this week? Well, um, even though it it would be a little late, I kind of wanted to go into the brilliant senator from the state of Oklahoma, Mark Wayne Mullen. Dang it! But I am not. I am not. I decided that being from Oklahoma, going with that was too obvious. And I was going to go for something else. Well, it just gave my advice, so. <laughs> something is equally as WTF-y, and that would be the QAnon shaman, you know, the guy walking around shortless with his buffalo hat and oh, yeah, weird tattoos. Yeah. yeah, he's running for Congress in 2024. This is the same fellow who said he couldn't tolerate jail food? Yes. Oh, okay. But first of all, that is kind of ballsy. Um <laughs> <laughs> second of all if one of the charges he was charged with was insurrection 
he pled guilty to that, he's under the 14th Amendment, can't run for Congress. Oh, wow. That, once again, shows you how little he knows about anything. He's just going to keep up in the end. He's going to keep failing upward. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I feel like I feel like someone's going to probably take that up with the state of Arizona. Maybe. So, Maybe. We will see. We will see. What is his friggin' name? Let me see. Here. It is. Uh, hang on. I got it right here. Well, I thought I had it right here. It is Jacob Chansley. Mm. In, in this actual news article says, <laughs> during the riot, who whined about his food options in jail after he was convicted of a felony count of obstructing an official proceeding. Uh, well, if that's what he settled for, obstructing an official proceeding, then it's not insurrection. So he will be able to run. That's but, just nonsense. Oh, my gosh. Really, really, really. But yeah, so I mean, I would have to imagine that him being elected is probably not going to occur. But then again, George Santos, Chip Roy, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, yada, yada, the list goes on. So, you know, he's probably a shoe in. You know, I'm looking at this article here, and I, I don't know that I've ever seen a picture of him without the Halloween face paint on, but he's not an unfortunate looking fella. He just happens to be blessed with an unfortunate functioning brain. Yeah, um, he's clearly, I don't know, he has clearly smoked a lot of weed, eaten a lot of shrooms, all of the above, everything, I don't know, was dropped a lot as a kid. Ate lead paint, lived in a house full of asbestos. Something has affected that brain. Yeah. And they so, pointed, they pointed out in this article that he can't vote, but he can right. run for Congress. Yeah. I'm thinking the Constitution needs a little tweaking. Cause... Yeah, I think it's time for a couple of amendments. Because <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> At least uh, you can't run for office while in prison. And I'm not going to say that maybe if you have gone to jail, you can't run for office, but maybe there should be a time span where you can't, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because you could have been an idiot when you're 21, gone to jail, had a felony. But when you're 40, you're completely less of an idiot and more responsible and maybe you've learned your lesson and you might in fact make for a decent person in office because you have this unique experience. That's a fair I, thing to consider. But I don't think that, you know, a year after getting out of jail for that is enough time. I'm thinking no. I'm thinking no. But um, I will tune in from time to time to see how fast and how far that flaming dumpster campaign of his goes. So <laughs> that will definitely make for some interesting campaign ads, won't it? <laughs> it will. On I'll both be, sides. <laughs> I'll be the one to track him down, even though I live nowhere near there. I'll track him down somewhere. I'll I'll look for him. Yeah. Yeah. I will. 
those will be worth watching. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. How about, well, I mean, we know what you got because yeah, we, I gave we myself ever so briefly touched upon it, which is what he was wanting to do. He was wanting to touch upon that teamster. <laughs> First of all, his name is Mark Wayne. I know. Which apparently was a mistake on his birth certificate because it was supposed to be his first middle name, but his mama never went in there and corrected it. <laughs> so it's just Mark Wayne. I'm like, dude, your mom didn't care enough to fix that for you. I'm so sorry. So sorry. Now, but is that not one of the most Oklahoma names for a political figure? <laughs> Does that not scream Oklahoma? I had a professor in, in school who had a custom made, you know, custom made leather belt mm -hmm. on the on the back. It said, not Bob. He said, because you know how every dude and every other dude in Oklahoma, his middle name is Bob. <laughs> Jim Bob, Joe Bob. He's right? like, I'm not Bob. <laughs> not Bob. <laughs> so, yes. So other than Mark Wayne, any other thoughts on my senator? That man want he wanted to throw hands in the middle of a Senate hearing. <laughs> I know. First of all, he looks like a great value version of Joe Rogan, which is saying a lot. They both also have an interest in MMA. Yes. Which is, you know, the resemblance, but well, he, he literally said, what did he what was the quote? Yeah. Yeah, let's take yeah. this outside or something like that. You stand your butt up. That's what he says. Yeah. The, yeah. the funny thing is, I would have to think, though, that if they did get into a fight, Mark Wayne would win because, A, he was a wrestler. He wrestled in college and he does MMA fighting now. And he actually mm -hmm. has like a not that it's a massive, huge record, but he was three and up. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of training that has taken place in the art of fighting. So I would go with, if they actually did throw hands, Mark Wayne Mullen would win. I would the take problem that. is, the guy's the president of the Teamsters. And it's what would happen after the fight where Mark Wayne would lose a lot. Because he already has a bone to pick because he has an issue with unions. Because he right. owns the business. Mm-hmm. But to sit up there in, first of all, you're pretty thin-skinned. Let's just say that. Well, if, yes. If, if, if some tweets set you off and you threaten to fight this man in the middle of the Senate here. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you remember this. Him and the Teamster guy, this is the second time they've gotten into it in a Senate hearing. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. You should look up the first time. They also had a rather contentious talk but i do love that the teamster guy was like all right let's go let's go because he's like you know what even if i lose this time you're gonna have some guys come to your house <laughs> so apparently o'brien that's the the teamster leader yes. suggested they meet for coffee afterwards to work out their differences but they still kept hollering at each other until another senator you know, started her part of it and talked right over and blah, blah, blah. And Bernie Sanders was not impressed. No, he was not. Mm. 
And then afterwards, he was all, that's Oklahoma values. And I'm like, don't say that. Don't ever say that. Don't don't include the rest of us in your little petty fights. That's like, I know he's one of those people that blasts that, um, what's that little country song? That one hit wonder oh, country our small, song. Don't try this in our small town or Yeah, he know he whatever. blasts that in his, his Ford, uh, four by four every day. You go oh, definitely. Yeah, that's that's his kind of song. Yeah. The one good thing though about his business that he owned is that he was a plumber. Mm-hmm. And after the Teamsters friends come and pay him a visit, <laughs> he will be used to being covered in shit. Well, <clears throat> that won't be new for him. Indeed. Indeed. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. If I was the Teamster guy, I wouldn't actually send anybody there to do anything actual. I would just have people just stand across the street outside his house. Right. <laughs> just that to would, make yeah. him nervous. Just because, <laughs> you know, sending people out there to put hands on him, that might be a little risque. But just having somebody just be in his line of vision just at random times and random places during the day, that. That would fuck him up. I would be. I would. I would be there for that. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. The last couple of days, I've just been like, seriously, can Oklahoma go a day without embarrassing itself from an mm. elected official? Mm-mm. Please. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember the particulars, but your superintendent of schools did some dumb stuff last week too. I'm sh- I mean, that goes without saying. And then there's our governor. Mm-hmm. So this is related in that it's Oklahoma. So in Oklahoma, I, I don't know if you know, paid attention when uh, you were here last year, all the tribal tags on cars. Yes. So you know, if you're a member of a tribe, you can get your license plate through your tribe and not through the state. Mm-hmm. Well, last week, OHP... Well, my highway patrol started pulling over people and giving them tickets for not having tags if they had tribal tags. Huh? Yeah. And the official state in which of course is ticking off the tribes. Let's just tick off the wealthiest group of people in the state. <laughs> also provide a shit ton of jobs and give a shit ton of money to education. Yeah. Um, which of course ticked them off. And the response from the governor's office was, we are not going to be giving tickets to, I think it was the Muscogee, the Choctaw, the Cherokee, and one other tribe, because the state of Oklahoma has a compact with them that their tags are recognized in the state of Oklahoma. But none of the other tribes have a compact with us, so we are going to pull them over and we are going to give them tickets. But then not only are they getting tickets, they're also then getting um like the fee for what it would cost to get their cars current so if you've missed 20 years guess what they're gonna, you know because you've had 20 years of tribal tags oh good gravy but the reason that they can have the tribal tags is because the tribe sued something like 20 years ago and it went all the way to the supreme court and the supreme court ruled that as their own nation Members of those tribes can have tribal tags. So the Supreme Court ruled it. They don't need a compact. 
<sighs> so I'm sure Mark Wayne is going to be running for governor since Stitt is going to be term limited out this next time. So there's, I guess that's one way to get him out of the Senate. Oh yeah. Let, let him fail upward some more. <laughs> I mean, he can't screw up. <laughs> Look, when Stick took over Oklahoma, we were 44th in education spending, and we're now a solid 49th. Mm. Oh, I remember what that, that business was with Walters a couple weeks ago. I can't remember what it was called, but it was apparently some directive for the public schools about absolutely 100% defining what a man is, what a woman is, what marriage constitutes, what, you know, what constitutes marriage. Like they have their own definitions of what the, and they won't entertain any educational material that describe anything outside of these uh, descriptions. I mean, that's also very Oklahoma for you. I was like, now what now? What? I've just pretty much decided that, well, I get to retire before my wife does, which is glorious. But when <laughs> she retires, we've just kind of decided that we're probably going to be moving to Colorado. That would not be a bad thing. That would not be a bad thing. Oh, yes. Here we go. It was actually just this past summer. It's called the Women's Bill of Rights. It's an executive order that the governor put through. Oh, God. You heard about it? Yeah, yeah, I remember. It's so stupid. And then Walters took that recently and said, hey, we're going to go ahead and apply it to the textbooks used in, in Oklahoma public schools. Yeah. So, yeah, he just keeps going and going and going, going. Yeah, he's like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> He's like this stupid energetic, the one that runs into the walls all the time. <laughs> right. Oh, right. He just keeps running towards stupidity. But yeah. Any mm -hmm. any other final thoughts though on my wonderful senator? No. No. But from now on, and I'm shocked to I don't I'm shocked we've never you've never mentioned him before. I feel like you have, but and I forgot, but I would remember a name like Mark Wayne. But well, he only got arrested or arrested, <laughs> elected um, last uh, last year in November. He was actually a rep before that. Mm -hmm. And remember the rep that was leaned over looking terrified um, behind the chairs in the House of Representatives on January 6th? That was Mark Wayne Mullen. Oh, I was going to say that could have been anyone. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. I got to do is just Google Mark Wayne Mullen Jan. Six, then you will see that lovely picture of him being terrified that they were going to come in and get him. Mm, wow. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I, all I know is I'm going to put a pin in him and just occasionally I might set an RSS feed alert on my Google. Just anytime yeah. there's a new story about Mark Wayne, bam. <laughs> your google is gonna be busy <laughs> google's gonna be mad like what is you looking at what is this google's gonna put out a thing we can no longer give you alerts because <laughs> this on, man is just dumb <laughs> on senators from oklahoma and if you're our other senator langford you got to be like oh thank god this guy's there because now i'm not the biggest moron senator from oklahoma i don't know 
Like that's a race to the bottom. That's horrible. Anyway, yeah, that was saying a lot because our other one was Emhoff and Langford was worse than him. Yeah, I read about him. Yeah, wow. I guess I remember him from when I was. I still live there. I'm like he's been around a long. Oh yeah, long, oh. Oh. long time. <laughs> yeah, Emhoff was the guy that brought a snowball in and said, "Look, it's snowing. Global warming's not real." Moving right along to. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to our our main topic of discussion for this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Speaking of global warming, <laughs> what we're going to talk about was something that many years ago really heated up the earth, especially <sighs> America. Oh. Oh, How was that for a transition? That was great. I I could <laughs> I couldn't get myself together. <laughs> I know. I, I know. <laughs> Okay, I'm good. Oh, boy. Yes. Something that happened in America. Can you imagine stuff happening in America? But the event in question was a little thingy called Hands Across America, which was an attempt at a benefit, sort of along the lines of the year previous's uh, We Are the World mass celebrity sing-along charity event. Um, USA for Africa was an organization that sponsored and put uh, the We Are the World singathon together. And it was the same organization that handled this Hands Across America. The president, who was a fella by the name of Ken Cragen, who was also a music manager and producer, and he had a bright idea. And honestly, when you think about it, let's consider the fact that We Are the World was recorded, what? When was the Grammys in 85? Like April? Was it April? Because we just talked about this last, last um, episode before. Was it February 85? So he's sitting around maybe for a couple of months. And then all of a sudden, bam, I got another idea for a fundraiser. Because you know why? We have to help the poor little starving Africans. Oh, dear Lord. So, yes, he had another idea for a charity event for the same goal. Raising money to help actually the homeless here in this country go figure the idea was to have an actual human chain from east coast to west coast of people holding hands that's it for 15 minutes a long human chain from new york city to la that was the plan we're going to talk about what happened Nine months it took them to put this together, and the event took place Sunday, Memorial Day weekend, May 25th of 1986. A staff of 400 were needed during that nine months to organize everything. And major cities across the United States formed the event route with participants, i.e. the people holding hands, donating between 10 dollars and 35 dollars to reserve their spots in line and to receive a commemorative t-shirt funds that were supposed to be delivered back to usa for africa in order to distribute that monies to the uh hungry and homeless their plan was to raise between 50 and 100 million dollars however they didn't come anywhere close we'll get to that number and it's going to make you scratch your head for everything that went into this so 
Liability insurance for the event cost $3 million. So USA for Africa recruited corporate sponsors such as Coca-Cola to help defray the costs of staging the event. It was a route of 4,125 miles that went through 16 states in Washington, D.C. However, no New England states were included in this. I don't know why that was. In my research, I have no, I don't, I didn't see anything that that indicated why that was. I don't know if it was just a matter of the route not being conducive to that. Who knows? Apparently, New Englanders were upset, especially the most New England of New Englanders, Ted Kennedy. Uh, They led protests like they were really pissed that they were not included in the damn hands across America route. Other protests took place in various regions of the country, like the South, the Upper Midwest, and the Pacific Northwest. Um, Actor Tom Selleck and Senator Daniel Inouye, I remember that guy, started a Hawaii-specific event called Hands Across the Hawaii that featured the slogan, Hawaiians are Americans too, and they are, damn it. Um, Like I said, the official route went through 16 states and D.C., and it began... The line began at Battery Park in New York. The first person in line was a six-year-old by the name of Amy Sherwood, a young homeless girl who had spent most of the previous year living with her family of seven in a welfare hotel. Good Lord. So that line went all the way from NYC, which also included notable celebrities. Now, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning, this was celebrity stocked. This was a, a thoroughly celebrity star-studded event. Like a lot of things were in the 80s, really, when you think about it. Um, New York City had Brooke Shields hanging out, Liza Minnelli, uh, Susan Anton, Gregory Hines, may rest in peace, Edward James Almost, National Treasure, Yoko Ono, and Harry Benefanti. And they were on the George Washington Brits. In Trenton, New Jersey, Dionne Warwick, National Treasure, Tony Danza, National Treasure. (laughs) (laughs) In Philadelphia, Scott Baio. Right, right, right. True story, though, about Tony Danza. Remember, his first big break was on the TV show Taxi. Yes. And the reason his character was named Tony. Uh, his character initially had a different name, but he would not respond to the name of his character. And so they just decided to change the name of his character to Tony so he could answer. Well, <laughs> that's why, why does that not surprise me in any way whatsoever? <laughs> yeah, you'll notice on Who's the Boss, his character was also called Tony. <laughs> Tony, that is correct. Oh, man. I was just geeked out to find that John Stamos's ex-girlfriend uh, cheated on him with some Tony Danza. That was just a mind blower. <laughs> that is kind of crazy. That's the eighties. I mean, yeah, you know, weird, weird things, weird things. So, um, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, had Emmanuel Lewis and the actor who played the robot R two D two in the Star Wars series, Kenny Baker. Mm-hmm. Also, in uh, Baltimore, divers, divers, as in deep sea divers, were underwater 
in the Susquehanna River, forming a line. That's impressive. Yeah, that is. D.C., the president at the time, good old Ronald Reagan and his family, uh, came out on the lawn to help hold hands, along with Speaker of the House Tip O'Neill. I always appreciated his name. It just rolled off the tongue, Tip O'Neill. Right, right, right. Uh, Pittsburgh had Fred Rogers and the Pittsburgh Whoa. Pirates Parrot. I didn't know that that was their mascot. You, you can't have go through Pittsburgh and not have Mr. Rogers as part of it, though. That would have been a crime. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Um, Ohio uh, had quite a few folks. Uh, Michael Jackson, David Copperfield, Michael J. Fox. And for some reason... In costume, I can't even think of the actor's name, Chewbacca. Oh, that's Peter Mayhew. Yes, thank you. On to Indiana, which didn't have any celebrities, but they the folks were in the rain, but it was scheduled at the same day as the Indy 500. So I don't know if that checked uh, things up. And somebody whose family is from Indiana, uh, the Indy 500 is very important to that state. Yes. Yes, it is. So in Illinois, we've got Walter Payton, former football player. Um, Sweetness. <laughs> and in Springfield, 50 Abraham Lincoln impersonators. St. Louis had Kathleen Turner, and she was she was a big deal in the 80s. Good Lord. I mean, she's yeah. still a big deal now. Let's just I'll just say it. However, Memphis did one better. They had 54 Elvis Presley impersonators. There you go. There you go. Little Rock, Arkansas had then-Governor Bill Clinton. And Marilla, Texas had Kenny Rogers, Lee Greenwood, and Tony Dorsett, also former NFL player. Now, because of the, it was May in the Southwest, and that means hot, hot, hot. So that particular area of the country did not have a whole lot of people representing uh because it was just too long to stand out there and and they were only supposed to be out there 15 minutes but it was just too doggone hot so in some places local ranchers lined their cattles up hoof to head to form the line <laughs> also they used hot air balloons go figure um albuquerque new mexico though saw don johnson mm -hmm. uh phoenix had ed bagley jr he was a very interesting actor. He had a he had yeah. a lot of things going on in the eighties. If you're going to have a junior, it might as well be Egg Bagley. You know what might, I mean? Might as well. Um, San Bernardino, California. Let's see. Had Bob Seger, Charlene Tilton. Ooh, Dallas. She should have been in Texas. Uh, Santa Monica, George Burns, Dudley Moore. Richard Dreyfus and Donna Mills. And the end point, Long Beach, California. The crew, the Disney crew, uh, turned out with Mickey and Minnie, Donald Duck, Goofy Pluto. Also, another national treasure, Kenny Loggins. Joan Van Ork, uh, who starred on one of my favorite nighttime soap operas ever, Nice Landing, and Dallas. Uh, John Stamos, we just talked about him. Robin Williams and... The, the actor that played C-3PO. So they got both Star right. Wars robots. Yeah. It, it sounds like that was a smart thing, though, that they had John Stamos and Tony Danza on opposite sides of the country, right? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember the year that this cheating incident happened. 
The plan, as I mentioned earlier, was to raise between 50 and $100 million to feed the hungry and homeless. Take a while, guess how much money they brought in. Uh, $9 million. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> uh, $22 million. A little bit higher. Twenty. $8.5 million. $34 million. I still won the Price is Right rules. <laughs> Unfortunately, about $6 million of that were operating expenses. So after all was said and done, they only had about $15 million to actually donate to charities. So by all accounts and... History almost always tells the tale. By all accounts, this was a quote-unquote failure. I say no, because imagine trying to do that crap today. I mean, could you? Could you get people out there to even stand still for five minutes? No. Like, what do we have going on at in, in, in 86? It wasn't like, you know, we had a whole lot of other entertainment things that... I want to say the collective attention span was maybe a lot longer than I'm just, I'm giving us the benefit of a doubt. Well, I mean, especially for us because we were outside playing till the street lights came on. Cause we weren't allowed to be inside because our parents despised us. Right. They would kick us to the curb and come back for lunch and then don't come back to the street lights. Come on or come back for dinner and then go out again, come back when the street lights come on. And right. Don't make me have to yell at you. And if you get hurt, walk it off. Walk it off. Dust it off and walk it off. So, yeah, it was the 80s. It was <laughs> Gen Xers. And just a sidebar, <laughs> this whole wave of not messing with Gen Xers it has me tickled because they act like we were like wild sociopathic animals out in the streets <laughs> waiting on waiting in alleyways to jump on ladies and stuff. Like, what is this? <laughs> All dressed like the QAnon shaman and um, Bruce Leroy's little brother in The Last yeah. Dragon wearing our leather pants. <laughs> leather pants and face paint, just waiting. <laughs> just waiting. And that I, I one of the memes I saw talks about, you know, that was the first generation of latchkey kids, which is probably accurate. And I remember vividly carrying my house key on a brown shoestring on my neck. Yep. And constantly, my mother said, don't go down to where you're not supposed to be, which in our case on base was down there in the tunnels. Oh, uh, yeah. Three tunnels. Three tunnels down there near the, uh, the fence. Naturally, you know, we were there all the time. So yes. when yeah, I, was all, huh? I was just going to say, folks, it came by that name. Honestly, it was three tunnels. Literally three tunnels. You could you could just stand up right in them. They were just big, wide, huge, like what are like flood control tunnels or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. And we were not supposed to be down because it was dangerous. But there was no fence around here. There was a fence. Right. The, the fence that was there was around the outer perimeter of the base, not around the area where the pipes were. Who's stopping us? Yeah. Anywho. I remember, it was also one of the best graffitied areas of Tinker. It was. It really was. I remember one summer, I'm walking on the way home, 
with my bestie and I realized I do not have my house key on the brown shoestring around my neck anymore. I freak out. I was like, did I drop it in the tunnels? I wasn't supposed to be there. I broke out in a cold sweat. I had to go home and tell my mom, I don't know where I left the key. She sent me right back out to find it. Lo and behold, I found it in the yard across the sidewalk from ours. It was nowhere near the tunnels. <laughs> Thank goodness. I still sweat for the rest of the day behind that. I was like, the rest of the summer, I would just occasionally touch just to make sure it was there under my shirt, under my shirt. Latchkey kids. Gen Xers, yeah. what are you going to do? We made it possible for everybody else. So I don't understand the grief. I don't understand the grief. But Handsome Across America did have its own theme song, and it was absolutely nothing like the star-studded extravaganza that We Are the World was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that song played simultaneously on hundreds of radio stations at 3 p.m. on the 26th. And it was written by Mark Blatte, John Carney, and Larry Gottlieb. And featured lead vocals by session singers Joe Sarasano and Sandy Farina and the band Toto. Can you imagine? Toto was getting around in the 80s. They were. Because we just talked episode before about them being heavily involved with Michael Jackson's thriller. And now look at him. Hands across America. Toto got around. I'm I'm beginning to understand that they are severely underestimated. They are. All very talented musicians. They very much are. Like I like I said on the Michael Jackson episode, I found out they sang the original version of one of my favorite songs, Georgie Porgy. I was like, excuse mm -hmm. me? Excuse me. And he sang the shit out of that song. I was like, holy smokes, look at this. And then of course, the only thing I can think of after that is Africa. The song Africa. So, right. I mean, <laughs> how could you not? How could you not? The hand holding, of course, like I mentioned, lasted 15 minutes. And in addition to the Hands Across America song playing on local radio stations, the participants themselves sang We Are the World, Naturally, America the Beautiful, and the Hands Across America theme song, which peaked at 65 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1986. Again, was it a, a success? Mm, Money-wise, maybe not. But attention-wise, to an extent. Because there was no social media. So yeah. it wasn't like you had people in every line in every in every state doing selfies, you know, showing you the entire line. It wasn't that kind of party. It was just literally... Here's my hand. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. Oh, here's this great big old space. Oh, here's a hand. The coordination that that takes. I, I really don't, I don't know. I don't think it could have been done if they tried to do something like that now. I don't think people really give a crap 
like that anymore. They want to do something like that. It is kind of ballsy, though, to think, you know what? We're going to get enough people to freaking literally hold hands across the country at one time. Because gotta, I can't. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you got to at least give them a high five for that. Well, what's funny is that apparently in some of the major cities, they couldn't, they had so many people, they couldn't do a straight line. They had to kind of like stack them. But if they had actually put those people, you know, hand to hand to hand to hand, they would have had enough people to fill in all the gaps mm -hmm. that they had. So there's that. But I, again, I can't imagine standing in a hundred and some odd degree weather down there in Arizona, bacon in the desert in no the, in, in the cacti. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm going in, I'm not doing this. Can someone give me some lemonade? <laughs> right. Now they just CGI everybody across the country. They would. And it's interesting you say that because the reason why I wanted to talk about this was a few weeks ago, I was doing a double feature viewing of Jordan Peele's uh, Get Out and Us, his first two movies. And Hands Across America is an event that factors heavily in the movie Us. So I was like, hmm, uh, that should be interesting to talk about because I'm fairly sure that these doggone millennials may or may not know this exists or might not believe that it does. Anybody that's probably gone to see that movie and tried to figure out what was going on, because there were some you know, direct references to Hands Across America in the movie, and mm -hmm. I'm fairly sure some of the younger crowd was like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, yeah. it's a thing. I was, we all was sitting in the movie theater, like, hands across huh. America. <laughs> huh? I look at, I look over my daughter. I said, that's hands across America. She said, what? Okay. <laughs> like it was the great value we are the world, and then she was like, huh? Well, what, what's we are the world? <laughs> I said, people, people made a chain, a human chain across the country and held hands. She said, what? Exactly. What? She was like human. <laughs> she was like human centipede was real. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I wanted to sue whoever made that movie and the second <laughs> one and the third one. <laughs> Woo, boy. Anywho, but yeah, that's the story of Hands Across America. It almost feels, in a way, and then I, in the research, I read somebody in there, I can't remember who it was, somebody was quoted as, as saying it was like a money grab. Because the idea came so soon after we are the world. Right. But even back in the 80s, we had certain social issues that were trendy to get into. And yeah. And yeah. So like helping all the unfortunate folk over in that country called Africa was one of those things. And then, of course we kind of reined it back in and made it local for hands across America, but same idea. Let's help yeah. the unfortunate souls. Okay. Yeah. I, I at least think that in terms of we are the world, the people in Ethiopia, they were, it was such a horrible drought mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And did we are the world probably do enough long-term? Probably not, but, the help that it was able to provide was was needed. Yeah. And so was. I think it's kind of nice when other countries get together to help 
other countries when they need it like that. <laughs> um, and remember the Ark of the Covenant may be in Ethiopia. That's one of the possible locations, but um, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was always convinced it's right where Indiana, Indiana Jones said it was in a warehouse in, a, in the United States. No, before it ended up in the yeah. warehouse. <laughs> but wherever Indy said, that's where it is. <laughs> yeah. And, but in terms of the, what'd you say? It was only $15 million is all that charities ended up getting to help people. Yeah. After, after expenses. Yeah. $15 million net. Yep. So in today's money, that was probably $20 million. But, uh-huh. I'm sure that the people or the the places that got whatever amount of money they got were quite happy to get that. And I'm sure that the organizers were probably disappointed that they weren't able to help as many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. And if, if, if nothing else, it did bring awareness to, to what was going on as far as um, the homeless were concerned. Because I mean, they 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 were they were there long before this took place, and unfortunately, there's still way too many people that are unhoused. But I I would like to think that bringing attention to something like this with such a huge event would help would cause more people to stick to it long term because that's some hard work. Mm-hmm. It's worthwhile, but it's some hard work, especially when you're looking for people to donate to these things. That's tough. It definitely is. Because the 1% are clutching their checkbooks really, really tight. Everybody but Bill Gates. So. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> so it's not like you're going to guilt the billionaires into, you know, scratching off a check and, you know, here, put this in the bank. It's not like that. Yeah, Never they, would been have, like that. they would have to have something that would make them feel guilt. <laughs> I can't imagine what that would be. <laughs> you know? Mm. Be that as it may. I don't I don't know. I can't think of in this in this social media and technology driven age, I can't imagine what an equivalent event would look like like this. Would Not- <laughs> would the because now when something happens, you just text a donation to whatever number and then they get the money, mm-hmm. theoretically. Because mm-hmm. um, as we've discussed in the past with Haiti, you know, <laughs> they raised all that money, but did all of that money actually go into Haiti? Mm-mm. Yeah. And, you know, there's been a couple other tsunamis in different parts of the world where you know, they've done done the text whatever to whatever and donate ten dollars, which is cool. And it it's probably, in all honesty, the easiest way to <laughs> get a lot of people to donate to something quick. True. But yeah, I think you're right. There'll never be another sort of hands across America, we are the world thing because it's just well, I mean, just <laughs> east standpoint, text money to this or you know, do it from your birthday donation mm, yeah. on facebook oh or, yeah. <laughs> yeah or or whatever hmm. yeah the the truth of the matter is if you just took 
you know, the U.S., Canada, the U.K., you know, some other European countries, there's really no need for any country to have a large, you know, unhoused population or people not getting enough food and wherever that is. If, if you can afford to spend, what was it? $10 trillion for 20 years of fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan, just spend nine and put that other trillion towards other stuff and whoa, problem solved. You would think you would think, but as we have learned, as we as we as we have grown up, uh, and as the country gets older as well, we have learned different. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, and I should I should mention. I don't know why it's just occurring to me. The eighties, listening friends that might be a little younger than us, the eighties was known as the me generation. I think we talked about this. Kind of dabbled in it back on the what episode was that. The Shopping Network episode we were talking about yeah. the 80s. Yeah. Infomercial and infomercials. All that, yeah. yeah. So the 80s was the key word here was materialism. That was like the heyday of like Wall Street bankers and Brooks Brothers suits and expensive lunches and shiny cars and me, 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 me first, basically. Was the, was the whole thing. What can I do for me first and everybody else can get in line? So it's kind of surprising that something like this was able to come off as well as it did, even though it was a quote-unquote failure. But for it yeah, to come but, off as well as it did is, is, is something. And yeah, but later, strangely, though, there was so many sort of large, I guess, gimmicky-type things, though, to raise money, though, because there was Farm Aid and Live mm-hmm, Aid and... Mm-hmm. Mm. Did all of that stuff, and yeah, that did raise a lot of money. So strangely, we were selfish, but get giving when we needed to be. <laughs> it's a weird thing. It's a we- it's humans. Yeah, it's a weird thing. The eighties. Oh boy, we did mention putting a pin on doing an episode on eighties things, but we'd be here all day. Yeah, yeah. So this is just one of those things. One of those. Yeah, I will. With the in terms of the we are the world, I'm thankful that the people that sort of spearheaded it, Michael Jackson, um, Lionel, Lionel Richie, the, the vastly underappreciated, underrecognized Lionel Richie. <laughs> and uh, dang it, why is my brain drawing a blank? Jones. Uh, Quincy, oh, Jones. Quincy Jones, thank you. Yes. Yeah, and that Quincy Jones was involved mm-hmm. um, because there is their involvement. I think kind of took away from white savior complex in terms of the "we are the world" thing. I'm I'm sure it, that was a consideration, at least from from that standpoint, I guess. But you know, celebrities they do stuff just because it looks good. It's good PR. Um, on some of them, but I really think that in terms of like Lionel Richie and Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson, it was something that they really wanted to help. Yeah. With, but you know, and once again, there was enough money made by three or four countries that we are the world shouldn't have been necessary because they could have just sent them food there anyway. Right. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh god, humans. <laughs> we are an odd lot. I'm telling you, there is there are there's life on other planets. They're not gonna stop here. They're sick arsh. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're definitely their reality show. <laughs> You know, we're we're their big brother slash survivor amazing race housewives of Orange County all rolled into one. Battle the network stars. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh God, Earth is the Earth is the ghetto. Roll your windows up. Shit. (laughs) Yeah, there's like a 12 parsec, you know, like electric fence around us. And they're like, no No fly zone. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, yeah, no, go, oh God. The rest of them are like, nope, nope, still gotta stay away. Like if no. you see if you see ISS, you've gone too far. Turn around. Turn around. <laughs> They're like, you know what? You don't even want to go to the closest star. Just give them like 10 light years and just stay away. We'll re-examine in 10 years to see if they're better. The 10 year coming up. We are keeping the no-fly zone going, and in fact, we're increasing it because they're now leaving their solar system with probes. So, like, damn it, they can't find us. Shh, shh, shh. They're gonna hear us. Oh goodness! With that, listening friends, <laughs> that is our episode for Tada. Thanks for hanging out with us. Would you like to close us out, Jay? Sure. Once again, as always, we always we appreciate everybody listening to us and. Tuning in if you could, you know, give us a, you know, a like, a follow, subscribe, whatever your platform is. Give us a lovely five-star rating if you get ratings or a review, and we would appreciate that. That would help spread us with the algorithm of whatever podcast platform you're on. And if you also feel so inclined, speaking of helping others, if you want to hands across america us and buy us a coffee go to <laughs> buy us a coffee.com backslash hyperfocus pods and with that bye bye and now folks it's time to say good night we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment please drive home carefully and come back again soon good night